we're starting this over half done, but we'll get there. Uh, it's important to recognize that while they didn't do this out of deference to what Jacob went through and through some tradition, this was not carried over into any of the food laws of Moses, was not in the books, the Talmud and so on of the Jewish leaders to say don't do this. It just was kind of one of those hand-me-down verbal, hey, we don't do that because of what happened to Jacob. It wasn't a part of the law as God instituted it. So, um, got a few questions. Um, who initiated this wrestling match? And God did it, why? To test. Okay, a test of Jacob? Why else might we add to that list? What was God's purpose? Well, he, he did change his name, and I think that reveals his purpose a little bit. This is a moment for Jacob to have an encounter with God that is going to be maturing for Jacob. Um, he, he has an opportunity for another more intense encounter with God than he's had before. This is, I mean, this one got even physical. And in the wrestling, he has an opportunity to not only request of God a blessing, but to show and get involved with his intensity in, in seeking that out from God was um, carried out by his application of his own strength in saying, I'm not letting loose of you till I, till I get this blessing. And then, so, so God has a chance to intensify Jacob's determination to be blessed by God and to have the name change to go with it as a marker for his life now that I'm different, I'm blessed by God, I'm a part of God's kingdom in this way. So any other comments or thoughts or questions about this passage? There's a, there, I'm sure there's going to be some because... So, so the injury, the, the dislocation of the foot, was that put there so that Jacob would remember this? Was it like a, so he could remember this throughout the rest of his days? Well, that would be an inference. I mean, it, the scriptures don't say, oh, this is why God left him with this dislocation. But I think, that, I think that's a pretty straightforward, easy inference to make. I mean, Jacob's never going to forget every step he takes is both uh, probably a bit frustrating that he constantly had to deal with this limp or however it worked itself out in his ability to move around. And, and even more so than today, by far, I mean, I, I've occasionally had... Uh, various nerve pains and whatever in my legs it's like wow this is really inconvenient and frustrating but but it would be more so in Jacob's day because so much of your travel is done on foot um, you don't get in the car and go to the grocery store in Jacob's day I mean foot travel by foot's a big part of it um, so I, I I do think just exactly what you said is true I just wanted I just want us to realize that's an inference not a direct scriptural statement the idea that God said, you know, before Esau and Jacob were even born, 
of Jacob, I will love Esau, I will hate. Um, I guess, does that have anything to do with like God's faithfulness to Jacob or blessings to Jacob from the very beginning before he was even born? Mm-hmm. It's God showing his purpose was to bring the promise of Abraham to Jacob and not Esau so that, and it's just directly right out of Romans 9, so that God's own purposes would be fulfilled. So, yes, it has to do with with all of that. Um, God determining, I mean, if we keep going in that passage in Romans 9, God says, you know, I'll bless whom I bless. And so it, it is God saying, it's, it serves my purposes to choose Jacob over Esau. And not because of what anyone would do, but because of how he intended to glorify himself in the establishment of the Israelite nation through Israel, through Jacob. Did I answer your question? Okay. Rick, Rick, I got a thought. I was just thinking about this. So Jacob is wrestling with the pre-incarnate Christ. Probably. Who yep. is the culmination of all of the blessings of the Old Testament. So it's just ironic to me that um, Jacob is, is standing face-to-face with the person that's going to be the, uh, the redeemer, the, the, you know, the, the ultimate blessing, uh, the culmination of all those, all those covenants and all the blessings. Yeah, this very well could be a Christophany, and many would affirm that it is. And I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying it's not specifically in any of the words that you could say which member of the Trinity we have here. But, yeah. So it kind of connects with what Suzanne was saying. It really it does. But in listening to the Bible Project and different things connected with this too, God invites us to wrestle over decisions, over trials in our lives, and to wrestle physically, I guess, here in this this point, so that we can deepen our relationship and our knowledge and understanding of him, almost in a training effect, to train us how to handle bigger trials when they come up in life and things that way. And so never thought of until this weekend as I was listening to that and, and now here again, of the idea of actually being able to wrestle with God in order to analyze what would he have us do in this, wrestle with this thought process and he provides us opportunities for us to grow. Well, that's a good point. So how do you and I, I'm going to say the word wrestle with God. Anybody here ever had a wrestling match with God? Physically, like is described here with Jacob? If so, I'd really like to visit with you while I... <laughs> There's probably something there I could learn. So what is the parallel in our lives that you might you might say would be a way we take to God that intensity that grabbing hold of God and and seeking out from God with that kind of intensity of blessing the trials well, that we go through. okay the trials I think questioning. questioning okay faith faith Mm-hmm. Learning how, learning who he is and how to use the word in, in your prayers. Okay. In your, okay. Study the word. Study the word. Yeah, there's, 
there's a, a, a and it's hard to narrow it, nail it down to just an activity because it all comes to bear. But um, you probably have had times in your life when you were intense, more intense in your interaction with God because of the storms of life that were headed your way that you could either see coming or you actually were enduring. And during those times, God has given us places to go that in going there, we can also be very intense in our relationship with God. And clearly, when you put all those pieces together, part of it is the very Word of God, right? We can look at God's Word and be given direction. Um, passages like trust in the Lord with all your heart don't lean on your own understanding and all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight okay so that's a piece of it how about when God says the righteous shall live by faith so many times when the storms of life come that which we were relying on doesn't work the money in the bank my good health go down the list of things that give us confidence to live the next period of time in our life and all of a sudden one of those is disturbed by an event or a need and we then are driven back to faith. Lord, I, I can't handle this. I don't, I don't have the means. I, I wasn't prepared for this. Here I am living this out and, and it is disrupting so much of my life and God is there saying, well, this was a surprise to you but not to me. The righteous shall live by faith. So put your faith and trust in God. Go back to the Psalm 32.8 I mentioned a minute ago about trusting the Lord with all your heart. I mean, the scriptures are loaded with both direction, commands about how to live, what to believe in, where to put your hope and trust, as well as truths about how dependable that hope and trust will be. Does it mean that everybody that puts their faith in God and pleads for relief from the circumstances is going to find it? Well, that's the other thing we find in the scriptures is we get all of the accounts of men who lived with their, with, by placing their, themselves in full subjection to God and either suffered or didn't suffer, but many of them suffered greatly. Look at Paul's life. You know, Paul's the one that gives us Romans 8.28. Everything works together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. How'd that go for Paul? Well, if you, if you want to look at it this way, he realized that the purposes of God were to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul was on board with that, so when he was stoned and beaten and taken before councils and all the things that happened to him, he went, that's part of the path. This isn't bad. But... It, uh, it, it, those words are written by a man who suffered greatly. Look how it worked out for Stephen. John the Baptist. How about the man born blind? Who sinned, him or his parents? Neither one, Jesus said. He was born this way so that God might be glorified. I don't know how old the man was, but he was an adult. Because the parents said when they were questioned, go ask him, he's an adult. They didn't want to take a stand about what Jesus had done in healing their son who was born blind. And that just boggles my mind that parents, having lived a whole life, 
and probably in that Jewish culture with a lot of criticism that somebody sinned here is why this child was born blind. I mean, it just boggles my mind they didn't latch on to what Jesus did in an entirely different way. But they didn't want to get crosswise with the Jewish leadership, so they said, go ask him. And he says, well, I don't know. I know I was blind, but now I see. And when they continued to question him, then he says, oh, do you want to follow him too? That pretty well shut him down. They, were, they, they didn't want to get that kind of a thing going. But Jesus made it clear. God's going to be glorified in these moments. And so our lives are short. God calls but of, through the scriptures, a vapor, a mist. It's here and then gone. And eternity is after this. That's what we read in Romans, I'm sorry, in Hebrews 11. When you go to that faith chapter and read it, turn there for a minute. Go over to Hebrews 11. 11. I can enunciate better than that. Hebrews 11. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it men of old gained approval. And we see faith, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared for the word of God, so that what is seen is not made out of things which are visible. And we start getting accounts of faithful men. Abel gave a better sacrifice, but he lost his life. Uh, Enoch was taken up. He didn't see death. And verse 6, For without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. But the reward that the faithful people look for is different. Um, I've got to get my eyes to, to find it. Um, we talk about Abraham beginning in verse 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out knowing where he, not where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in a land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs with the same promise. And here's some key words. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. What did he just say? Abraham did receive the blessing the promise of the promised land, but what Abraham really was striving for was heaven itself. It's the eternal kingdom built by God as the architect and builder. And so we see that in there. And there's so many stories here. I don't want to say stories. Some folks take that as false accounts for illustration only. There are so many accounts here of these men living in faith and receiving not the promise but yet the promise of heaven and we get the testing and we get the patriarchs with Abraham offered up Isaac in verse 17. In 23, we start out Moses when he was born, was hidden for three months. We can start to look at all these things and say, by faith they got great things and lived a great life. But then we get down to verse 32. This is the results of living by faith. And what more shall I say? For time will not fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, 
performed act of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword from weakness, were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. And it goes on to talk about women receiving back their dead by resurrections, but then by faith. Others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted. They were put to death with a sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. Men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and in holes of the ground. And all these, the ones that had marvelous success in life and the ones that suffered greatly, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. What? They went through all that, didn't get the promise because God had provided something better for us. So that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. And he is talking about the person of Christ and the hope of eternal life, freed from the guilt of sin, free from the judgment of sin, and eternally in a world not made with hands, but made by God, in which we have a new heaven and a new earth where we have a just government. As days go by, that becomes more and more poignant to me, a just government, a just judge, and righteousness at every turn. And so when men, women, mankind pursues God with the intensity of Jacob, you may wind up with a dislocated hip, figuratively. You may wind up with all kinds of troubles. You may wind up giving your life for Christ. But that intensity is an honor to God. It is part of what it means to live by faith is, I don't care what happens to me. I'm remaining faithful to God. I'm trusting him that the outcome of this will be for my benefit. Make no excuse for it. When I think about the kinds of suffering that can come upon people through persecution, I have doubts about me. I scare me because I know how weak I am. But if I'm going to be righteous, it's not going to be out of my strength, it's gonna be out of my faith and the strength of God that will get me through one of those kinds of situations if I'm asked to face one. So here's Jacob giving us an example of intensity. Sorry, I got off on that a ways. Any other questions or comments? Well, and, and we, we need to build the right habits and attitudes and paradigms and responses before we get in the difficult situation. Because when we find ourselves in a difficult situation, where do we need to go quickly? To the Lord, to the Lord in prayer, in scripture, in, in looking for him to have provided for us in his word and in, his, in our relationship with him in our lives. 
And the next place we need to go quickly is to our fellow believers in the church. Because God has provided, we can look at Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, and many other places, the one another's of scriptures, and so many different places where God has made it clear that he has provided us with each other as gifts to us so that collectively we can make it through this life with wholeness. Um, I, <clears throat> I don't have it well enough in my head that I could turn right to it, but another wonderful passage in Hebrews, it says, see to it that no one among of you falls away. That is a group effort to take care of one another so that we're strengthening one another in Christ and no one falls away. So we have some responsibility or some opportunity to minister to each other in that way as well. Any other comments, questions? All right. Well, next time, I actually had it prepared for this time, not knowing how this would go. Next time, we will begin in Genesis 33, and we will have an opportunity to see how the encounter with Esau goes. Let me close with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for <clears throat> the example we have in Jacob. Lord, we would love it if through when you had Moses write this down, you'd given us a lot more details and information. But Lord, we trust you to provide what we need. And we trust you to lead us through a life of faith and in our struggles with men and even our struggles with you as we question and doubt from time to time. Lord, remind us to come to you in faith and come to your word and to respond to that uh, with uh, understanding of truth. Uh, thank you for the ways that you lead us. You are our good shepherd, and we thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.